not talking about forgiveness of sin. I'm talking about deliverance from sin. There is a difference. Anybody in the room ever committed a sin? Yeah, you didn't have to raise your hand. I knew the answer. <laughs> Very good. We're in, we're in light company. Anybody ever committed a sin, repented, and believe and know God forgave you? Most of us. That's important. Anybody ever, after you committed a sin and repented and asked for forgiveness and know God forgave you, you committed the sin again? Get tired and frustrated of that cycle and that process. There is a way to go beyond forgiveness from sin and walk in victory over sin. This is God's desire. This is God's desire for us. John said, little children, don't sin. Well, hold on a minute. I don't know if I can do that. I used to think when I was younger, like a kid, that you just sinned every day, that it was impossible not to sin every day. Don't raise your hand. Anybody else ever think that? Some of y'all think that now. It's a lie from the pit of hell. It's a lie from the pit of hell. The adversary wants you to believe that because you're human, you will always sin. Well, that's a, what is that? I'll tell you what that is. That is a spirit that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. He is able to keep you from sin. What good is a God that forgives sin but can't keep you from it? We serve a God that is alive, can not only forgive you of your sin, shed His blood to cleanse you from your sin, but He can give you power to live free from sin. And some of you believe that, and some of you are going, man, if that's true, I'd like to find out, and I sure hope so. I'm telling you, he can. John said, if we sin, he didn't say when, he said if. That in and of itself indicates it could be that we may not. You know, to not sin is better than to sin and then get forgiveness. Now, thank God, forgiveness is readily available. But John said, if we sin, then we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is faithful and he is just to forgive us from all sin, or forgive us from sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Aren't you thankful for that today? But there is something, I've been, get, you ever get irritated? You ever get frustrated with things that seem to just repeat over and over and over again? That you wish would stop repeating over and over again? Like tax season, I'm a little worked up. Sorry. You know, there are some things that repeat themselves in our lives that should not repeat themselves. That through the Word of God, the power of His Spirit, the power of His blood, the grace of God that comes with the Holy Ghost is the Spirit of grace. The grace that God gives us, they should not repeat over and over and over again. There should come a place where we get 
receive and walk in victory. That's what I want to talk about today. May not be the way you think, but I found the answer. I really did. First John 4 and verse 8. First John 4 and 8 says this. He that loveth not knoweth not God. I want you to notice those last four lines or four words. For God is what? God is. God is. Okay. It doesn't say God loves you. It says God is love. It doesn't say God expresses love. He does that. It doesn't say God manifests love. He does that. But it's very clear. God is love. It's what he is. It's who he is. It's his very nature. It's his very makeup. You you and I can't wrap our minds completely around that. But it's, it's who he is. To know God is to know love. To know the love here expressed is to know God. He that doesn't love doesn't know God. That's what John said, right? That's the first line. He that doesn't love, I know King James English. He that doesn't love doesn't know God. The word there is a word we've talked about. We won't take a ton of time around it this morning, but the word for love, matter of fact, all the words for love that we use today in the New Testament are all the same Greek word, agape. Okay, there's, there's different types of love. We don't have time for all of them this morning. Filio love, where we get the city Philadelphia from, right? The city of brotherly love. That's filio love. That's like love between a brother, right? Some type of relationship. There is um, eros love. Eros love is like intended to be between a husband and his wife. It's where we get the word erotic from. But the world has taken and twisted this pure love, eros, and made it. And the enemy made it and brought it into, and people think it's eros, but it's not eros. It's fornication. It's adultery and it's perversion. But eros, the love that God intended between a husband and a wife, that's the other type of love. But agape love, agape love is unconditional. Agape love is unearned. Agape love is freely given. Agape love flows out of a place of such purity That's who God is. God is unconditional. Agape love. God is love. John 3.16, most of you in this room could quote it. John 3.16 says, for God, so what? He loved, he agaped. He so unconditionally, without cost to you and I, He so unconditionally loved the world that he, what did he do? Gave. He gave unconditionally, unreservedly. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. That verse gets misquoted, misunderstood so many times. It doesn't say whoever believes in him would not perish. That's what people want to make it say. It says whosoever believes in him should not. I can tell you, you should not go out the door without a coat on. 
But I saw a kid walking down the road the other day without a coat on when it was 17 degrees. And I thought, I almost wanted to pull over and say, hey, do you need a coat? I got one. Should not and would not are two different things. God so loved the world that whoever believes in him should not perish. Do you know there are people that believe in him that will perish? There are people that believe in God that will perish. Do you know why they'll perish? Love. I'm going to show you before we're done this morning. Love. Romans 5 and 8. I'm not going to just read scripture all morning. Would you be okay if I wanted to? But The word is powerful. Romans 5 and 8 says this. But God commendeth his what? His love. He commendeth his love toward who? Us. Notice this choice of words Paul is using. He commendeth. That word commend is to show, to prove, to establish, to exhibit. God said, I'm going to prove my love. I'm going to show my love. I'm going to establish my love. I'm going to exhibit my love toward them. And this is how I'm going to do it. While they're sinners, I'm going to die for them. I'm not going to wait till they get it all together. I'm not going to wait till everything's in order. I'm not going to wait till they get life fixed and all their problems solved and, and get a few other things taken care of. And then I'll prove my love. Then I'll exhibit my, then I'll show my love. See, this is agape love. Agape love doesn't say you've got to do this and this and this, and then you'll see it. This is agape love unconditional. I'm not proving my love to you. I'm not commending my love to you. Once you show me, you deserve it. I'm commending my love to you while you're a wretched sinner. That was all. God proves his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, he died for That's love. It's agape love. Go back to 1 John chapter 4. Why is, you know, we, we made love warm and fuzzy when we talk about the love of God. There was always a little concern when I was younger that when some churches and preachers started preaching about love all the time. They're like, uh oh, look out. They're, they're starting to go to this soft, warm, and fuzzy, just accept the Lord, no, no doctrine, no, just, you know, just God is love. And so just love everybody and nothing else matters. Everything else, that's not what we're talking about. But that end of the spectrum has diluted the powerful end of the spectrum from the Word of God. God is love. I have a question for you. I got several questions for you this morning. The Lord was dealing with my heart. And so um, I'm going to try to be conscious of your time. I've already been here about four hours, and so I'm a little worked up right now. I have a question for you. I want you to honestly think about this question. Why do people... Stay in abusive relationships. Just 
just want you to think about it. I'm not going to make you answer to me out loud. I won't put anybody on the spot. But there's reasons. Why? I had asked somebody that question. Or why do people stay in, let's, let's, let's remove the word abusive. Why do people stay in unhealthy relationships? Why do people leave an unhealthy relationship and then return to an unhealthy relationship? Why do people seek out relationships that aren't necessarily healthy? Or why do people settle for a relationship outside of God's plan? Is it love? <laughs> know what it is? I asked somebody. They were helping me. I was, I was having this conversation with a brother asking some of these questions because of the way the Lord had been dealing with my heart. And they said, fear. I said, mm, okay. I said, I think it's acceptance. And then it dawned on me as we were talking, of course it's fear. It's fear of rejection and the desire for acceptance. And so I can be in a relationship that's unhealthy, but I'm accepted. They accept me. And so I have a greater fear of rejection or that no one else will accept me. At least this individual, even though they don't treat me well, even though they, I don't know why that dumb jingle. I don't know the song. I only know the line, put a ring on it. I probably shouldn't have even said that. Now some of your minds will go places, but. All right. Why, why do people endure these relationships without commitment? I'll tell you why. Well, at least they accept me. I'm just going to give you a news flash right now. And this is not going where I thought. We're, we're going to stay. They're not accepting you. They're using you. They're using you. They are using you. And their use of you may very well be filling their own need for acceptance, but it's still using you. You say, but I love them. I'm not saying that's not completely true. Sometimes if you love somebody, the best thing to do is release them. Especially when you realize they're not changing and this is not getting healthy. I'm not talking about husband and wives. you got to find help and let God heal and fix. Because you said, till death do us part. You made a vow. All right? Watch. This desire for acceptance is so strong in our human nature that it causes us to sin. The desire to be loved was given to us by God who so loved us, who is love, and He created us in His own image. Right? All those memorized verses, Genesis 1 and 27. Is that the right one? Thank you, Sister Melanie. She quoted 28 Bible verses to me this morning. That was one of them. 
Right. He created us in his own image. He's love. And so every one of us, when we were born, when he formed us, when we were born, there was something in us that said, I want to be loved. Why is it you can hold that little baby and they can look in your face and you can do something? They'll smile. And man, doesn't it just melt your heart? What's going on? They already, they desire to be loved. And they know when you do something, you make those dumb sounds, goo goo goo, whatever you say, goo, goo, you say all these. We just turn into like these goofy people when we got a baby in our arms, don't we? Oh, goo goo, whatever. You, I, I, look, I, I feel goofy just trying to do whatever. You, whatever we do, we do goofy stuff, don't we? Why? And we, what are we trying to do? We're trying to get that baby to smile. Trying to, and, and that baby smiles, and oh, we love that, right? We're like, oh, look at that. So, so we do something else, and that baby learns early on. Even as a little baby, they learn. Oh, they seem to like it when I do this. You don't think there's a conditional response that they're learning in your process? What is it? It's built into the nature even of a child to be accepted. I want to be loved. Somebody love me. It's the cry of our world. Every one of us desired to be loved. And along the way, here's what happens. All of us, David said, was born. He said, I was born in sin. I was shapen in iniquity. In sin did my mother conceive me. Watch. And so here's what happens. You guys are going, hold on. I thought we were talking about victory over sin. We are. Here's what happens. Sin enters in. Let me show you how it enters in. Oh, there's lots of different ways. Child comes physically abused by a parent. And so fear begins to run that child because the child wants dad or mom to love them. And so they learn or they believe the reason mom or dad hit me that way I'm not talking about spanking your kid. I believe in spanking your kid. I don't want to cross anybody's theology. We could do a different Bible study for a different time about spanking your child in the right place. There's a reason God gave him a bum. But anyway, I didn't call them a bum. I said he gave them one. Right? So this isn't parenting class today. But, but what happens is a child, a child, condition, condition, condition. The child wants to be accepted. The child wants to be loved. And they realize, oh, no, my action brought something I didn't like. And so a child goes into this mode. I must find a way to please that man or that woman that did that because then they'll love me and won't do that to me. The child doesn't understand. No, 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 you don't. They should love you because of who you are. And they're acting on their own ill will. It's They're making a choice that's sin. And, and that sin is now in back. No, you don't have to learn to be accepted by them. You, your actions, love should love. from Somebody hear me. Maybe this is a parenting class for just a few minutes. Your children should be loved regardless of their performance. I don't love my kids more because of what they do or don't do. Do they do things that make me proud and make my chest sort of stick out and make me smile and say, man, you did great. You, uh, yes, my love isn't rooted in that. 
I'm sure there's times my communication has led them to believe that. Love comes. True love. God is love. And so people learn. Okay. And so here's, here's what happens. Rather than love working the way it should through that child, the child now begins to live based on fear. And so, so let's take that further, okay? No fault of the child, a fault of a parent or a guardian or somebody that did this, but therefore they chose to act a certain way to try to get that acceptance and receive love. So what does a child do? That parent or that guardian questions the child about a situation. You with me? And the child wanting to be accepted and pleasing and wanting to receive love, the child learns to sin. Where did that come from? Who taught them that? I remember the first time. I'm trying to remember the specific situation. I remember what I did. I don't necessarily remember the specific instance. That's probably good. Thank you, Jesus. One of my kids lied to me. Some of your parents may remember. It broke my heart. It broke my heart, Brother Mark. And all of my kids probably heard the speech somewhere along the way that said, you will never get in trouble for telling me the truth. But if I learn that you lied to me, there will be dire consequences. So why does, how does a child, you ever wonder how little Johnny at three years, I mean, the dude just learned to talk. Right? He just, he, he just barely, maybe he's four. I don't know when, when I was, I was an advanced child. I was talking at two, if you ask my parents probably, but I'm sure I wasn't. I'm kidding. It's a joke. It's a joke. You know, like, I'll give this back. Don't worry. Don't get nervous. I'm going to drink out of it. You walk in the room. You're like, Who put that water bottle right there? Right? That tone. And little Johnny's like. What's happening? Little Johnny wants to be accepted. He wants to be loved. And he's afraid of the consequence of a wrong action. And his desire to be accepted says, not me, even though he did. <coughs> you with me? You see how simple that is? And what happened? He stepped into sin. How did he step into sin? He just wanted to be accepted. What does it tell me? He questioned the love of his father. If it was his father that asked the question. Or somewhere along the way, he determined, even at three or four years old, whenever that, right, that early age. Oh, no. The way dad asked that question, the consequence will not be good. And the consequence is an expression of his love or lack thereof for me. And therefore, I think I'll lie to be accepted. Does that make sense? What's he doing? 
Is he really wanting to deceive his father or his mother? I don't think so. I don't know that he even understands at that age deception. He just wants to be loved. And in a moment, he makes a decision to sin. He doesn't even know it's sin yet, probably. But he it's sin. Ignorance isn't, <laughs> right? You don't get to go, well, I didn't know lying was a sin, therefore I'm not responsible. Oh, no, no, it doesn't work that way. I believe there's ages of accountability and God holding us accountable and stuff like that. So that, that's a different, again, that's a different Bible study, a different time. But if I leave him uncorrected, spare the rod, spoil the child parenting class, right? If I leave him uncorrected, he begins to continue in that behavior. Why? Because he learns, man, I like people accepting me. I want to be accepted. I want to be loved. And so he continues in these patterns of sin. Why is it? I know it's a little different this morning. We're, we're going to talk about victory. Why is it that we, we use the scriptures last week, I think it was, maybe the week before, I lose track of time. We use the scriptures, we talked about Hosea and Gomer, how Gomer kept going back to the streets as a harlot, and Hosea would go get her. Why did she keep going back? I'll tell you why I believe she kept going back. She didn't really believe that Hosea loved her. She couldn't accept the fact that what he was doing for her was truly rooted in love. But you know what? Here, somebody hear me this morning. The streets would always take her back. And so there she went back. What was she doing? She was going back to a place of acceptance because she couldn't believe she, she had come to this place in her life where because of all of her choices, she couldn't believe that someone could truly love her in spite of all of her failure. And so rather than receive the love that Hosea was truly offering, she ran back to the vile pit that she came out of and went back just going, at least there, nobody asked questions and they just accept me for who I am. And you'll die in your sin. God is love. For God so loved the world. Why is this so critical? Because when I know He's love, and I believe the love He has for me, it keeps me from sin. I no longer have to perform for His love. I accept it. Because I know His love for me is not based on my performance. Ever. Anybody ever know a hypocrite? Look around. 
Oh, I just hurt somebody's feelings. Every one of us. I heard somebody once say, and I'm not going back to that church. There's so many hypocrites. Well, my goodness, where do you think you're going to find them at? I mean, let's be honest. Where are you going to find? You're going to find them at church. What? I, I'm convinced. I realize this may not be 100% of the time, but I'd say probably 99.99% of the time. The reason that people are hypocritical at the root isn't because they want to be hypocritical. It's because they want to be accepted. They want to belong. And fear comes and works contrary to the love of God. Fear comes and says, man, you know what? If, if Elder knew that this happened or that I was this way, so therefore what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to put on a front and act and project myself a certain way that's hypocritical, then I'll be accepted and then I'll, I'll belong to the... And the adversary keeps, this is why love should flow through the body of Christ. If the first thing I'm ready to do is judge my brother or sister when they fall, I'm really, I'm teaching them, you know what? You'd be better off just to be a little hypocritical around me. That way I'll just think you're okay. But if when they fall, the first thing I do is I say, hey, come on, get up, get up. No, you're not. I'm not letting you stay down. You can do this. You can do this. I'm not I'm not letting you stay down. Come on, just walk with me. You can do this. You can make it. You can make it. It may not be easy, but look, I'm not going to justify your wrong action. You can't do that. You understand me? You can't keep doing that. But don't hide from me. Let's work together. Get around people that can help you. We love you here. We don't judge you. We're, now, we're going to call stuff out when we see it because I love you. I'm not going to just let you waller and sit. He's just on the front row. I'm not trying to. He sat there. Maybe I'll start working the back row. People start moving. No. This is why the love of God should operate through the body of Christ. Okay? So if I see somebody and I'm like, man, they're hypocritical. The first question should be, do they feel the love of God that I have for them? Or is there a reason they can't be real around me? Now, we can't take that on in terms of like, well, it's my fault. You understand? I just need to make sure I'm exhibiting the love of God. But people become hypocritical because they want to be accepted. And it really happens at church because here we're addressing lives and life choices and sin and, and things we do or shouldn't do. And right, we're addressing that. And nobody wants to be like, oh man, I'm really struggling with that. So uh doesn't mean we air it out publicly necessarily. But we can go one to another. The scripture talks about confess our faults one to another. That doesn't mean, hey, let me come air out all my laundry with you, Brother Martin. Brother Martin, like, whoa, TMI, <laughs> TMI. <laughs> Ladies, I'm just going to let you in on a secret. Y'all can do that with one another. Us men, we don't need all that. Not finding fault. I'm just telling you, we're different that way. Right? 
I could come to the Brother Martin and say, hey, Brother Martin, I'm really struggling. I made a poor financial choice. I'm going to tell you a little bit about it, but I'm, I won't go into all the details. I don't want to be a hang up for you. Would you pray with me? Would you help me? If I was a lady, I'd go through a whole lot more details. I'd tell him where I went, what I did, how much I spent, whether I got any change or not, who was present when it happened. I'd tell him what I was doing before I got there and after I left what I did. He'd be like, okay, what is it we're praying about again? Now, again, we're just wired different, okay? We're wired different. I'm just, I'm just, that's just a little note for you, okay, for all of us, okay? So, men, we have to learn to listen when we're hearing from a lady. And, and ladies, sometimes you got to learn to pare it down when you're talking to us men. Okay, so, sorry, I've been at men's conference. So, all right, so, but we confess our faults one to another. All right, this is part of that. So, I'd accept God so loved you want victory over sin? You need a revelation of the love of God for you. Amen. Really. If you want victory over sin, pray for, dig in the word, and seek a revelation of the love of God for you. God so loved that he gave. He proved, exhibited his love for you that while you were still a sinner, he died for you. I don't know how else someone can prove their love. Watch 1 John 4, verse 16. Quickly. 1 John 4 and 16. And we have known. Everybody say, we've known. We've known. And believe. Say, we believe. believe. We have known and believed the love that God hath where? To us. This is significant. We read over these verses so quickly. We have known and we believed. That literally means we know and we understand. How do we know it? We've come to know it through experience. Gomer. Sorry, that makes me think of a man every time, but it's a woman. That's, so I'm going to remind you, Gomer's a woman in the Old Testament. Gomer left Hosea after he brought her out of that prostitution and to his home to try to care for Gomer. Hosea brought her out. But she didn't know and believe the love he had for her. And so therefore she went back to the streets again. And Hosea, trying to prove his love for her, went and found her and brought her back again and wanted to show and prove but she just still couldn't quite know and believe it, Brother Joel. And so what did she do? She wanted to, but, and so she went back. Some of the, what is it? She didn't get victory over that which had held her in bondage because she didn't. But there came a point, thanks be to God, where she come to realize he means it. He loves me unconditionally. He could have left me, but he still came back again. He could have written me off, but he came back again. Somebody hear me this morning. The love of God keeps reaching to you, not because you're going to perform well, but because it's unconditional. And he's saying, I'd like to deliver you from the bondage of sin. I'd like to break the cycle of perversion and sin that you're wrapped up in. Let me love you. You come to know it through experience. That's what it means to know. And to believe means to believe and embrace. I don't just believe it. I 
embrace it. I've come to know the love he has for me because he's exampled it so many times in my life when I didn't deserve it. That's what agape love is. He doesn't love you because you deserve it any more than he loves me because I deserve it. He loves me because he is love. And so what happens when I know and believe, when I come to know experientially and I believe and embrace the love he has for me, I don't go back. Why do I not go back? Because that acceptance cannot compare with what it means to be accepted in the beloved. We sang that song. Oh, not today. We used to sing song. Oh, how he loves me. Oh, he loves me so. He is jealous for me. Somebody hear that. He is jealous for you. That's an expression of his love, his jealousy toward you. He wants you for himself. He doesn't want to share you with the world. We have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. He repeats it again there, just like in verse 8. And he that dwells in love dwells in God. And God, we need to learn to dwell in the love of God. When we dwell in the love of God, we will have victory over sin. Watch verse 17. Herein is our love made perfect. That's agape. You and I apparently can have agape love. Our love. Herein is our agape made perfect or complete. That we may have, this is why, there's a purpose for this. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as He is, so are we in this world. We miss that line sometimes. We're like, well, when I get to heaven, uh, that's not what it says. Herein is our love made perfect. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as He is... So are we in this world. Now, I want you to watch something. That word boldness there, it's, it's a unique word. It's pretty powerful to me. That word boldness literally means the opposite. Everybody say the opposite. It means the opposite of being covered with shame when you're standing in front of a judge. That's literally what the Greek word boldness right there means. That's how they described it. They couldn't even come. It's the opposite of something. You ever see somebody, maybe you've been to somebody like I have. Who put that water bottle there? I did. Somebody know what I'm talking about. Head drops, shoulders down. Don't even want to look in you. Right? Some people who are really good liars learn to look you in the eye and lie to you. Shame. I did. That word boldness there. It's the opposite of being covered with shame when I stand in front of the judge. How in the world is it possible to stand in front of the judge of all the earth 
and be free from shame. He loves me. He loves me. I've repented of my sin. I've been washed in his blood. And when I stand before him, I realize I did not earn his love, but I receive his love. And I stand bold, unashamed, not because I'm perfect, but because his love toward me is perfect. And so I don't fear. Here, here, here's the rest of that. Here's the rest of that. Boldness, it's freedom to speak without reserve. Freedom to speak. But watch verse 18. Because it's all a continuation. Notice there was a colon at the end of verse 17. Or no, it wasn't. Sorry, it was. Watch verse 18. There is no what? There is no fear in love. Remember little Johnny's afraid to tell dad he put the water bottle there? Fear wants love. There's no fear in love. My child's not afraid to tell me the truth for fear that I'll not love them anymore. Now, they definitely want acceptance just like any other person. But somewhere along the way, we learn that being truthful with him who loves me, even when I fail, because he loves me, he won't judge me. He'll help me. He'll strengthen me. He'll enable me to do what's right. So we have to let the Lord heal these places in our... The word perfect there, perfect love. Still agape, but the word perfect is literally love that has been brought to its end, that is finished, that lacks nothing necessary to be complete. When I read that, I can't help but hear the words of Christ on the cross right before he breathed his last breath. Can you picture with me? It is finished. What's finished? The full expression of his love toward us. Perfect love. Love that is brought to its end, that is finished. His love said, it's finished. I've made the full expression of my love to them. I commended my love to them while they were sinners. I died for them. It's the full expression. It's finished. It's perfect love. Now he waits. Will they accept what I've offered? Or will they continue to operate in fear and thereby give room to sin rather than walk in the power of the love of God that gives us victory over sin? I keep going back to that story of Gomer and Jose. Once Gomer received, truly received the love of Hosea, she didn't go back. Why? She knew this love's real. That's not. 
I have no desire to do anything that hurts this relationship that's been rooted and birthed and found in pure, undeserved, unconditional love. And because it means so much and I receive so much that I do not deserve, how could I go back? Because I've learned to love him as he loves me. What happens? The love of God comes. And all of a sudden, it reciprocates back to him. And so it's, it's David in Psalm 51. Remember that? Psalm 51 is the psalm that David wrote in his repentance after the prophet Nathan had come to him and said, you're the man after he had sinned and had committed adultery with Bathsheba and had her husband Uriah killed. He writes the 51st Psalm and he makes this statement. He says, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. What do you mean create in me a clean heart? He makes this statement. He says, against thee and thee only have I sinned. Whoa, 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 whoa. What, what, what do you mean, David? You sinned against Bathsheba. You sinned against Uriah. No, see, David understood something about love and repentance and forgiveness and acceptance. He understood when I sin, I violate the relationship with God that's more valuable than any relationship in my life. And if this relationship's not right, nothing else matters. I want this relationship right. And so he said, against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. So what happens when I receive the unconditional love of God and I come to know and believe experientially and I embrace the love of God, it keeps me from sin because I value the relationship so much that when I even consider stepping back, I'm like, why would I do that? Why would I do that? Can I just be trying to be real here today? Is this okay? I'm as human as every one of you in this room. You know that. I've been married 31 years. You don't think in 31 years working in banking and traveling to bank events and bank conferences and different seminars and traveling across the country, you don't think there hasn't been times where temptation has tried to come and disrupt my marriage? Is that too real? Absolutely. You know what? I can say by the grace of God, the adversary did not win. Why? Just because you were afraid of the sin of adultery? No. I love my wife and she loves me. I don't want to do anything to affect that relationship contrary. See, we make it about, I don't want to do that. We forget it's about the relationship. This is why love keeps us from sin. You want victory over sin? Learn of His love. Fall in love with Jesus. I know you say, oh, I love Him, I love Him, I love Him. Right, but David loved Him too, but David sinned against Him. And he recognized there's a depth in my relationship that's still yet to be found because I still do things Wanting acceptance from him who's already accepted me. 
It's little Johnny lying to his parent. And it breaks the heart of the parent. How much more the heart of God? I mean, can I really fool God anyway? I mean, I could probably fool my parents along the way. I know I did a few times. The Lord really dealt with me about some of these things. It was like more than 10 years later, I went back and sat down with my dad one time. And I said, Dad, I just needed to say some stuff. I just started confessing stuff. I don't know if anybody's ever done that. I was just tired of the enemy using it against me. I'm like, well, I'm going to deal with this right now. I'm just going to go settle it straight. I started telling, you know what my dad said? Son. I knew. You don't need to do this. I said, no, I do. He said, really, you don't. Why? He loved me. He'd forgiven me a long time ago. I was still carrying it. The Lord's forgiven many of you a long time ago. You're still carrying it. Love of God will keep you from sin. God's love is not performance-based. Stop trying to perform for God or other people. He loves you. i, I got to hurry to finish. You've been so patient. What verse are we on in 1 John 4 and 18? Watch. There's no fear in love. See, I don't have to worry about fear getting me to do stuff when I know He loves me. There's no fear in love. Perfect love, what does it do? Cast out fear. You need that picture. It casts out fear. I'm afraid of rejection. Right. If I walk away from this unhealthy relationship, I'll be all alone. I'm afraid of being alone. I have such a desire to be with someone. and I'm afraid of being alone. Come on, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. I will never leave you or forsake you, he said. Well, yeah, but I need a companion in this life. He knows that. He knows that. Perfect love casts out fear. Why? Because fear has torment. I want you to watch something, that word torment. That word torment literally means three things. It means correction, punishment, and penalty. Fear has correction. So what are you fearing? Fearing correction, right? It's the child who set that water bottle there. Not me. Torment, fear of correction. Fear of the penalty of my wrong. Fear of punishment. And so my fear of consequences says sin is easier than responsibility. Sin is easier than taking responsibility. And so what do we do? I shove off responsibility because I don't realize he loves me.
Or here's the really twisted deception of the adversary. Well, if he loves me, why doesn't he just fix this in my life and then I don't have to take responsibility? Doesn't work that way. Confess your faults. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. We don't want to accept responsibility. So what that does, it creates a spiral where I continue in sin. Paul said, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Fear, punishment, correction, penalty. Can't fear it. There was a man that was trying to get his eye. I was like, well, where's your driver's license? I don't have one. Well, where's your ID? I don't have one. Well, how are you this or that? I'm using my brothers. I'm like, what? Yeah, I'm using my brothers. Okay, so you bought this that needs an ID. And so is that in your name? Or your... No, it's in my brothers. I'm like, what? That's deception. Why don't you go get an ID? Well, ah. See, sometimes you think I'm asking questions just because I'm nosy. I'm not. Sometimes something gets in my spirit, and I'm like, I got to try to help here. I don't know why I'm feeling this, but I got to just dig in a little bit. Maybe sometimes I'm nosy. (laughs) I'm human, too. I try to be careful that way. Man, little did I realize how much was underneath that not getting an ID. It was all rooted in fear. Well, there's these things that are on my record that could cause me to go this and this and that and this. And so I'm like, man, you, if you don't set this straight right now, how long, how, how deep is this deception going to have to go? Right? You, you're going to live your brother's life. Now he's going to deal with the consequences of your actions somewhere along the way. This is going to come back and bite him. You, you got to set this straight. You can't live your whole life in this. With, uh, built on this lie. You got you to gotta just step forward. Well, but what? Man, I, I told him, I said, if you go to jail, you go to jail. But better to go to jail telling the truth than live outside of jail with your whole life being a lie. Speak the truth. Long story short, had to push him a while. What probably should have took two or three months at the most took about a year and a half. Because every little time they got a little barrier, it was like there was this pull to go back into a lie and just not, no, push, I kept pushing. All the stuff they feared didn't happen at the time. They were even using somebody else's social security number. They got their own social security number. They got their own idea. They were all excited when they come and testified to me about it, told me about it. Nobody in this room is like, hmm. I do work with people sometimes that aren't in this room, you know. What was that? The enemy was holding fear over their head to keep them living in sin. And you know what you got to determine? God loves me. God loves me so much that even if when I step forward and speak the truth, there's consequences that I would not like, then God loves me enough that if he allows me to, using that example, if he allows me to go to jail, he has a plan in it. 
He loves me. I'm not going to live a lie and stay in the bondage of sin because he loves me. Love is the answer to victory over sin. Identifying with, accepting, and receiving the love of God. I finish here. Please stand with me. That way I'll remember I said I'd finish. Proverbs 10 and 12. Watch this. Proverbs 10 and 12 says, Hatred stirs up strife. That's what the adversary does. But watch what love does. Love covers what? Which sins? Love covereth all sins. God is love. It's beautiful in the Hebrew. Obviously, it's a different word than the Greek. But the word love in the Hebrew is ahaba. Sounds a lot like agape. It's the same thing. It's it's God's love toward man. God's love towards man covers all sin. Peter said it this way in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse number 8. I'll let the guys back there get there so you can see it on the screen. 1 Peter 4 and 8. And above all things. Everybody say, above all things. Above all things have fervent charity. That word fervent there means stretched out, extended. The Greek word is, I think it's extensus, where we get our word extended from. You know what? If my brother's in a fault, sometimes I've got to extend love. It may be easier to be critical and judgmental and just avoid. It takes fervent charities extended Got to stretch myself to show the love of God. That word charity is the same Greek word for love, agape. Above all things, have fervent charity. Where? Among yourselves. He's writing to the church. Have fervent charity among yourselves. Why? For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. If you want victory over sin. You need a fresh revelation and understanding, and you need to begin to accept the love of God for your life. We should walk in truth because he loves us. We should avoid hypocrisy because he loves us. We should change some relationships because he loves us. The one who loves us, accepts us, calls us to himself, makes us his own. I'm opening this altar to you today. Maybe you need to find a place first and foremost of true repentance. And then beginning to accept and receive the love that God has for you. When David said, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. 
He wasn't repenting. Hear me this morning as you're beginning to pray. He was not repenting for adultery. Got your attention now. He wasn't repenting for murder. If you study that out and you look at what he was saying when he was saying, create in me a clean heart. The word clean there means he wanted a heart that had a pure motive. What he was repenting for was what is it in me that led me to commit adultery and murder? There's something in me and my motive. I should have, the action. I'm, here's what happens sometimes. Somebody hear me this morning. We repent of lying. We repent of stealing. We repent of, you fill in the blank, right? We repent of the action. And we never go to a place in repentance where we repent of our heart and why we continue in those things. God, some of you, go ahead and pray. Some of you need to repent for not accepting God's love and looking for fulfillment elsewhere. Some of you need to repent for not letting the relationship with God be all it should be and then looking for fulfillment in a different relationship where the only acceptance that your soul craves can only come from Him.